This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. No mai, whakarongo mai ki mā te oro ka ora. Join me, Vicky, on Tuesdays at 5 for an hour of good sounds, good health, when we'll hear about local happenings and talk to locals and folk with local connections about the things they do and the ways they've learned to plan for a healthy future. There'll be new and old school music stacked with tracks from local and almost local musicians. Tune in on Tuesdays at 5pm or catch the podcasts at oar.org.nz. Mauri order.
Fano, welcome to Mate Oroka Ora. Good sounds, good health. Although it's a little bit difficult to stay above the weather today with this southerly change sweeping across the city. I'm kind of hoping that it will snow just to put a sprinkling of gold dust on what is not not very pleasant. Having said that, it is still the best place in the world to live and it is my pleasure to welcome into the studio with me this afternoon, Caitlin Donnelly, Mauri Ora e Whanauka. 
Welcome to the show. Kia ora. It's really great to have you here. Um, Caitlin, you don't reside in Dunedin usually. You're hanging out in Otapoti briefly this week to submit your Masters. Oh, I am. That's so awesome. Yeah, although we did used to live here for three, four years for undergrad. When you were doing your undergraduate studies? And you say we. Who's we? Oh, my husband. Just the two of you? Yes, and now we have two boys. Two boys as well. So you've not only been growing your education, you've been growing your fun as well. Growing people. <laughs> <laughs> Just push the um, mic up slightly. That's the way. Yeah, so you can talk into it. Ah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's all good. Um, people can't see us, but they can imagine what we look like. Oh. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to tell people that have never seen Naitahu women before that we are so good looking. I like it. We'll go with this. <laughs> Caitlin and I have just met recently, even though we've been on campus at Dunedin School of Art concurrently. Um, yeah, I'm sure I remember you around the hallways. Wow, just in the hallways because it's only <laughs> ever a, a couple of hours each month. So you've been studying at the School of Art for how long now? Well, I started my undergraduate degree in 2010. So it's not that long. No, so just 11 years, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, and how fast has it gone? Yeah, quite fast considering everything else in between, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I obviously haven't been 11 years straight. No, and there have been a couple of moments when you've been distracted by growing people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I've had a few, two breaks. One was much longer than intended. Hmm. And my supervisor retired on me in that time. Oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, I know. Couldn't hang in there. <laughs> but, no, so I've got another one. That's fine. <laughs> so over the course of your master's qualification, you've had input from uh, quite a lot of people. Yes, yeah. Simon, he's been amazing. Yeah. Simon, yeah. Simon is amazing. Yeah. I think everybody knows we're talking about Simon Khan. Yeah. 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 No, he's... I, I met him in undergrad, yeah. Mm. He's just been... Around, Working incredibly hard. School. Yeah, yes. I mean, I'd say that I'm busy, but actually I think our, our brother there is next level busy. Yes. Yeah. And very, <laughs> very generous with his knowledge too. He is, yes. Yeah. So you're majoring in what? Ooh, fine arts. <laughs> is it not a particular medium? No, no. Um, I did my undergraduate in jewellery and silversmithing, and then, but I made, I made textile jewellery that drew... Oh, what? Yes. How do I imagine what that looks like? So I made, I crocheted a necklace and it became kind of like a tea bag. It was activated when it was wet because it was filled with dried natural materials, flowers and things. And I got participants to wear them on a t-shirt and it drew as they moved. Oh, so so that was the activation? Yes, that was the activation and then um, cut it out and made a brooch. So you didn't just stop at the... And I made a booklet with it too. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many layers through. there. There was, yeah. Yes. And um, you you probably, uh, Caitlin, you might understand my reluctance to describe the meaning of something. So we'll call it the intention. Yes. I'm a huge fan of the person who's looking at the work, the reader of the work. They're the ones that decide what it means for them. I, I, yes. I, I like to encourage that, but I want to ask you, with that particular work, what did you want the reader to... My intention was particularly selfish, selfish maybe. I was trying to explore combining painting and jewellery 
because I had gone in with such strong notions, I'll I'll be a painter mm. at a teacher's college. Mm. That's what That's art what is. Can do, That's yeah. what I've been doing until then. Yeah, and it changed when I discovered jewellery and enjoyed it. So mm. for some reason I tried to merge these things. Um, I thought it was quite fun. And um, the meanings behind having a T-shirt with a hole in it, having all these different pieces that were part of a whanau, but um, separate as well at the same time, and then we booklet that was explaining these connections to, between these pieces that could be sold separately and go elsewhere in the world relates to my adoption ah, history. Right, so it is quite self-referential. Yes. It's your story. Yes, yeah. Um, the booklet I was given as a child was called My Story. It was done by... No way. Yeah. <laughs> I know, they had such a good title. Yeah, uh, yeah, well. I've used it a few times. Um, yeah, they, my birth family, my adoptive family, and the adoption agency at the time yeah, created this wee booklet with information that I held all my life, so about my history. That's wonderful that you have yes. that information literally at hand. Yes, um, it always had iwi unknown, is what but now was you know. on it. Yes, so in my last year of undergrad... Or was it? It might have been slightly after when I was pregnant with her first. Hmm. Um, yeah, I found out Kotahu was the iwi unknown, mm-hmm. and found out who her tupuna were, and Neat. got quite obsessively into ancestry trees and information and everything. Yeah, Especially yeah. I think we all do. I, yeah. I think that's a story that um, people from all around the world can identify with. Yeah, wanting to know who you're from. Yes, yeah, and it it's fascinating finding stories and. More than just finding the connections and the family trees, it's really cool finding the stories of what they did and what they were like, or finding an image, or maybe I find that more interesting as a visual learner. But mm. yeah, do you think uh, having access to that visual information as well as influenced your art making? Yes, yes. So when I came back for honours, I started out really delving into ancestry and finding as much as I could, mm. um, and I really wanted to make my project about that but somehow in the caught up in the life whirlwind of I think he was one and two then mm. of that age of child and living rurally outside of Dunedin um, the work became quite matter of fact I did a drawing every day of my every day mm. for a while <laughs> that's good process though I yeah. think I meant that <clears throat> artists everywhere will struggle with that regimen of well even if it the kaupapa that you're researching at that time is not directly in the... It's going to be at some point, mm. and it's definitely circled back. Yeah, and it still informs your thinking, which therefore informs your making. So you a bit of a sense of satisfaction that it is still informing your work, that those yes. efforts that you've made? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, well, it's more than that. It's it changed my life. Mm. And, and everyone you, I've met and... You express it this way. Yeah. <laughs> Because. <laughs> because. 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 And, and, and given that you, you were making this investigation as a young mum too, did it, it um, influence the way that you felt about your relationship with your offspring? Yeah, I think a part of me was trying to do it. I wanted to for my life to do this, but I think the incentive of having a child was the big push to mm. do it. Yeah, yeah. I remember this a similar kind of um, effort that I, I felt I could make 
on my son's behalf when they came yeah. along. Yeah. It gives you a reason outside yourself. Hmm. I think that's often the case with me. Find a reason outside myself and I'll get it done. <laughs> I, I suspect you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, the, and the, the, the good feeling that you get, you pass on to your children yes. too. Yeah. yeah, so the missing link and all that's... Hmm. But having said that, there are possibly people out there listening to us that um, don't know where to start and are curious about your journey. So where did you start? Well, I started with who I already knew Hmm. and the physical links I already had. So I started talking to my birth mother and she put me on to her cousin, my cousin in some way there. Hmm. And she basically talked to the family you've got and some there's always like one who loves ancestry mm. somewhere, and they'll eventually eventually put you onto them. Mm. <laughs> I'm a not a not a not a a young learner myself, uh, and I've come to uh, social media norms really reluctantly. But I amuse myself with. Uh, inappropriate use of emojis um, <laughs> just you know what I got from my son recently when I questioned a particular smiley emoji that he'd used that I was being <laughs> I was uh, patrolling his use of emojis inappropriately so maybe that's <laughs> it was not my place to call him out but I am really interested in those uh, ways that people communicate with hashtags and whatnot so yeah. making up hashtags is fun not a, a particular fan of the very very long ones it's a full sentence why not just write the sentence but pithy little know. ones like you know <laughs> hashtag whanau <laughs> yeah those yeah. things um those things that are modern that i'm a reluctant user of uh th- they distance me a little bit from um the generation that's slightly younger than me and i'm going to put you there because we're not exactly the same age so we've had slightly different experiences through this space and time Um, one thing I'm thinking of is a taste in music (laughs) (laughs) so I've asked listeners I've asked Caitlin to um, nominate a couple of New Zealand tracks to play and it's been really difficult to get this out of you <laughs> because we got sidetracked by girl bands. If um, anyone's listening who knows me, they'll know I'm not the music person to ask anything. <laughs> but still, you know what you like. And yeah. you told me that you were quite a fan of S Club 7 and Spice Girls. Yes. Back in the day. Back when I was younger. Did you follow the very first band-making mockumentary those tedious reality TV shows. Do you remember True Bliss? Oh, I do. Oh, so the, the look of surprise on your face. I do remember them, yeah. Yeah. The, well, they're not the original um, band for hire. That was the Monkees. But uh, have you been following the latest version on TV? No. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see a short for it, and I am quite curious about all the fantastic musicians that have been contributing to that program and listeners know that we only play New Zealand music on this show so I'm going to play a track for you Caitlin some of the listeners might be oh this is a little bit different from what we usually play I usually play fairly cruisy music because it's the Tuesday evening it's a cruisy kind of day of the week but for you (laughs) for me for you brilliant for the listeners too if you're driving be warned here's some beast force (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. 
ORFM Dunedin, access to the airwaves. Muckle Road there with their brand new track, Surfing on Mars. And before the hit, 
incredibly raucous Beast Wars. When I'm king, that was a march drop from New Zealand on air. We're really very fortunate to have a steady supply of amazing artists in New Zealand. So on this show, we only ever play New Zealand tunes, local stories, local artists. It's super important to hear and see ourselves in our environment. And that's how we met, isn't it, Caitlin? Yes. We're on a kaupapa of celebrating Raitahu identity through visual contemporary visual arts expression. Mm-hmm. It's a huge waka to paddle, isn't it? It is. And I'm just jumping on board. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're, we're very fortunate to have <laughs> a lot yeah. of strong paddlers like yourself. Yeah, it's an exciting thing to be surrounded by my Fanoka who not only understand the intricacies of Whakapapa, and our Whakapapa is not the same as everybody else's Whakapapa, and our Takiwa is not the same as everybody else's. So, who we are and where we are, it's our own individual story. And then you weave it all up with all of the other lineages that come in. It's actually really exciting to be mana whenua down here, to be on our own takiwa. I'm so glad I came home. (laughs) How about you? Yeah. Do you get a sense of that? Even though uh, you're you're from here, from down here, and and you're um, just opening that that story more and more as an adult... It Does was, it make you feel satisfied that you're here? Yes, uh, it was quite settling to find all this information out. I grew up, I was born and I grew up in Chicago and my adoptive and my birth families were there and to find out growing up I could have been from anywhere. Mm. People be like, you might be Dutch, you look Dutch, you're this, you're that, you're blonde, you could be any, you know. Mm. And as a child, well that's awfully exciting, I'll have to find out these things one day. But then as an adult to find out, Actually, all my bloodlines, adoptive and my birth ones, rest and lie and come from Southland. I was like, that is really settling. Yeah. So you're in your your adoptive family and your birth family. So your your real parents and your blood parents, they yeah. they they all know each other. Yes, yes, they do through you. Yes. So you are the linchpin of this <laughs> yeah. this incredibly complicated <laughs> arrangement. Yes, yes. And I've met, um, I found my birth father 2015 and met half-sisters and everything that way and some more family and uncles and aunties here in Australia. So auntie and uncles are actually down in Chicago and have an awesome, lovely relationship with that side of the family now too and cousins and all sorts and um, it's just amazing. Yeah. Mm. So I've been waiting, waiting for you to come and see them. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it's just—it's uh, amazing how much you have in common despite not growing up together and everything. And mm. you—it's quite an immediate family. You're like, oh, family, right? And so it, an, an, inst- an instant family. Yes, <laughs> like instant porridge. Yeah, tasty. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting relationships to navigate when you're fat. You're definitely family, but you have also have a whole other family, and you're also haven't grown up, so you're still new to each other as people. Yeah. Yeah. Still navigating those politenesses. Yeah. Yeah. So you say well, that... Generally, politeness goes up really quick, <laughs> and then it just makes it easier. <laughs> Great. So, so you're that real. much alike. You're that much alike that you can yeah. instantly settle into that, that familiar space. Yeah. So when you were making these discoveries about your extended family and recognising not just look 
alike, but certain mannerisms are similar. What about taste? Do you like the same things? I think so. I'm really proud of my um, half sisters are really into art, mm. and one's a creative writer. So I'm like, go, yeah, go, go. <laughs> encouraging that expression. Yeah, yeah. How no, old are they? Uh, oh gosh, actually they're older now, seventeen and eighteen. Oh, grown ups. I, I met them when they were younger. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for all intents and purposes, nearly, nearly out on their own. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, time Crazy. goes fast, I doesn't won't it? consider mine at that point yet. <laughs> Cannot contemplate that. No, no, yeah. no. As as the mother of uh, young men, it's I I feel like my relationship with my sons is different from my mother's relationship with her daughters. I think naturally it would I be. Think, I think my mum pushed me out of the nest quite oh, young. I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, supplied me with all of the uh, skills that I needed to survive, to and, do that. and then. <laughs> plop out <laughs> but I'm actually really very grateful to her for that I think that could be a generational thing as well yeah well our slackers yeah yeah no just the the leaving home like it's people stay longer and longer now and mm. back then it was a real expectation well this time last year all of the adult um offspring in the country had moved home you know, well, very, very few people I know of that didn't take the, the opportunity to, to go home and yeah. reconnect them. And it was a pretty un, unpredictable time. It's still very unpredictable. Yes, we're very lucky where we are. Yeah, I just, you know, the last weekend in um, the Hororata Glow Show up in Waitaha in, in Canterbury, 10,000 people. Wow. Yeah. They won't be happening anywhere else. <laughs> no, nowhere else in the world. No, no well, we've got some great uh, concerts coming up on our Ooh. schedule. But um, between then, I'm thinking Guns N' Roses will be right up your alley, oh, won't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, you go. And and uh, it's not meant to be a joke, but it is in November. <laughs> oh. um, I'm sure that they'll sing their song. Between, <laughs> between now and next week, actually, coming up in Dunedin events. So right now, the Swimming New Zealand Division 2 Champs is on at Minor Pool. We talked about this last week. I gave you all listeners a heads up that spectators are free. And there are only a couple of swimming and diving events in the South Island this year. And actually, um, Minor Pool is the only purpose-built facility at the moment in the South Island, until Christchurch gets these built, we will be the only facility where yeah. there are the regulation facilities. So do get there and yeah, before Christchurch nicks it back off us again. And it could <laughs> be that you've got a young person in your family that's oh, a little bit curious about swimming, that you think has the potential to be the next Danian load and do take them along. It's running until the 13th. Also coming up this week, the graduation parade next Saturday. If you're in town between 11.30 and midday, George Street will be filled with very pleased with themselves university graduates heading to the town hall to be capped and become graduates. If you're part of that contingent and you have forgotten what time you're meant to muster, you need to be at the Dent School at 11am. Also coming up this week... On the 16th, it's the Otago Sports Car Club Hill Climb at Waitati. That's on Church Road. You'll know the OSCC because they brought you the Otago Rally a couple of weeks ago. And also coming up, this one's an exciting one, and Logan Park is the first of two Otago Secondary School Sports Association relay events at Logan Park on the 18th. And then the following 
fortnight on the 27th they'll be running around the block in South Dunedin (laughs) just like primary school (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's based around King's High School they'll be heading out the gate on Bayview Road and around the block I think that's awesome When I was a kid, that's what we did. We ran a, ran around the block. Oh, were, same. You know, even if there was a field big enough to run around, you still ran around the block. Yeah. And we were close to a creek, so we ran around that. Really? Mm. You wouldn't be able to do that these days. Probably not. Not without marshals and oh, flags yeah. and, yeah, counting off every child as they come home. Oh, yeah, we're unsupervised. Really. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the incentive su- to get back in the cold was quite a big one. <laughs> Well, in my experience, Southland's warmer than Otago. Have really? I just lucked in? I don't know. It's I, not? Not in Bukaku anyway. I think the wind comes up. That westerly is, is quite what fierce. Makes it fierce. Yeah. But where we are living now in um, Waikaka is all right. Yeah. And you're on a, um, a large section or a, a small, yes. manageable one? How big's big? Oh, gosh, I'm not good with measurements. Um, I don't know. We're on a very big old farmstead of a house. Yeah. A large property, and my kids still go in the paddocks. And how, <laughs> how many animals do you run? Uh, yeah, husband and I are doing contract milking, and there's six, seventy cows. Oh, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Do they behave themselves? I think so. Yeah. I do the paperwork. <laughs> you do the paperwork. <laughs> do, do your cows get themselves to the milking sheet? No, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah. They they're going all right, yeah. No, um, it's a closed herd, so they're born and raised on the farm. Yeah. And they're very accustomed and, yeah. They know you, They know your voice? Yes, yeah. My husband's very big on you've got to be calm. You've got to be of course. quiet in the shed and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you play the like music? flow. I think they play music in the shed. I don't think it's for the cows. <laughs> <laughs> but the cows don't mind. I'm sure they don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but not Beast Wars, maybe. Maybe not, no. <laughs> Not at dawn. No, no. <laughs> when, um, <laughs> so 12 months of the year, you know, every day of the week, you're, you're getting the girls into the, the milking shed. Uh, is it the same time on the human chronological clock or is it to do with the sunrise? No, it is the human clock. Um, it changes seasonal. It's not 12 months straight of the year. When, when aren't you milking? Winter. It what? is too cold. There's not enough feed. They can't produce enough milk. Oh, that they makes need a sense. break. They need to get pregnant again. <laughs> right. That sort of thing. And where do they winter over? Um, on various farms of different systems. Every farm is different. Every yeah. farm has a different system. Um, on this one, they stay on farm. And we've got a wintering barn for a certain amount and crop feed. And yeah. Breaks and everything else. In the There's no, no shortage of feed in Southland, though, is there? Southland, further down. We're on the very cusp of Otago. Yep. Sometimes it, you'll talk to a farmer and you'll never have a, yeah, the weather's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Feed's perfect. Yeah. No, there's always struggles. And it's, you can see why it's a very stressful job when you are animal and weather dependent. Hmm. It makes it a very challenging and changing environment you've got to respond to. Hmm. And hmm. that doesn't always co go cohesively with your budget no yeah. no I'm sure that's stressful are you missed while you're away at art school yes yes so um the we one had to go with his father yesterday on farm on quite a busy day too but I think they managed fine um and today the wee one had child care but of course it's not always inside 
Mm-hmm. Um, school hours and chocolate hours aren't actually usually inside, you know, you're actually milking like right on drop off and pick up. Yeah. But he's down to once a day at this time of the year, so it's okay. It won't be long before they're helping you out anyway. Well, that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I suppose <laughs> if they can... <laughs> but also if they can get the cups onto the udders when they talk. <laughs> well, they find it exciting. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like everything with children, isn't it? Yeah. They'll yeah, do yeah. the housework, they'll do it great, yeah. and then when they're really good at it, they don't want to do oh, it. A, 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 a parent's life is a, <laughs> a, a constant state of Tom Sawyer convincing Huck Finn yeah. to paint the fence. Yes, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're going to love these beans. Yeah, mm. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's so delicious. <laughs> can I have all your beans, please? <laughs> yes, you can. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Worked well. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I was very lucky my kids been always hungry enough to scoff everything that was in front of them. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, very fortunate. But uh, I'm always surprised to meet families where the children don't have a taste for the unusual. It's um, just because of the way that um, I cook and put what I put in front of the kids was what they ate. What do you mean the unusual? The unusual. Well, for me, an, a Thai curry paste in, you know, to flavour something isn't an unusual thing, but for some people it's too spicy. Oh, yes, okay, so you get the real classic southland meat veg. Yeah. Bit of salt pepper, that's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes, no, I grew up with a mother who was always trying new things and Fun. very, very good cooks. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... it's uh, James's family were the typical meat and veg thing, uh, I think partly due to his father being diabetic and all that, but mm. um, yeah, it took a few years of James coming around. And so. does he does he cook for you now? Yeah, no, he's a very good cook. Excellent. Yeah. You've trained him well. <laughs> no, he didn't need too much training. <laughs> It's okay. He's probably not listening. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably out with the cows. Hopefully not this time. Wow. I don't know that the weather's going to be any better further south than it is here. It's it's coming from that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it does come. I wonder um, sometimes how far afield our listeners are. And given that uh, these shows go into the podcast library, there's every opportunity for someone on the other side of the world to be listening. So just oh, to wow. give it a bit of context, in the deep south of Aotearoa, New Zealand, it's mainly rural. Dunedin's one of the biggest cities in the world by circumference. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why. <laughs> but not by population. No. Indeed, our city's only the size of um, some suburbs really? <laughs> in bigger cities. Now, you're going to find this sad, but to me, this is my big city. This yeah. is like huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's the traffic like where you're from? Oh, you get stopped by a slow tractor, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, Maybe some stock on the road. I hope it's a messy Ferguson. <laughs> there are all sorts. <laughs> Usually, the ones on the road can be the older ones. <laughs> Still, they're allowed to be on the motorway, aren't they? As long as they can keep yes. up, up above forty kilometres an hour, they're fine. Oh, I didn't know that law, but yep. <laughs> you can't go slower than that. You don't often see it, though, do you? Not on a motorway. No, you'd be about unfortunate if you had your farms and you had to do that. That would be a right pain. <laughs> I think it would be too. Yes, yeah, yeah. a bit dangerous. Or heaps but of fun. <laughs> well, yes. Yep. Staying safe would be the um, the most important thing, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. And how do you keep the kids safe on the farm, given that there are implements? Well, and it's a working farm, so it is still work. So they are not on their farm twenty four seven. I know many people probably have that idea of 
farming and children must, you know, assume mm. they're brought up on the farm and whatnot, but not particularly because <laughs> so it's you, still a work environment with many hazards. Right. And, and so they age appropriately can tag along to different activities, yeah. but not all. Yeah, so they'd be fe- feeding out feed, but but not lifting bales because too big, too heavy, yes. too dangerous. Yeah, and often they love to play on bales and things, but yeah, more often than not, you hear us farmers say, "Get off them!" and yeah, because well, they can collapse and always stable. If they get stuck somewhere, you can't get them out. Wow! And you can damage the bales, which ruins the whole. Oh, it's some kind of romantic kind uh, yeah, attitude about. No, well, no, not at, <laughs> not at all. Uh, it actually um, doesn't surprise me, given the um, risk assessments that I need to do on a on a fairly regular basis for just being out in the open. Yeah, health and safety hazards are always interesting. Mm. There's a lot of. Well, it's a huge area to do a health and safety plan for, isn't it? For a start, do you um, do you take that approach to your whole life, where you're constantly assuming, planning for the worst, but hoping for the best? Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't thought about that one. Or well, maybe <laughs> I do the work that I have to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm projecting my maybe. my methodology onto you <laughs> because it is very much what's the worst thing that could happen here. I suppose when you become a parent, you naturally start doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But then you've got to catch the whole. I don't want to be a helicopter parent, right? Let's let them learn and make their own mistakes. I'm a big fan of that. You, you could be a lawnmower parent instead. That's it. <laughs> All right, it started now. You can push it. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you've got your shoes on. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, I mustn't a, joke. We have a huge property, so it's a ride-on. So they do get to have a ride. They very much like that. Yeah, that's yeah. very brave of you. It's very annoying because they're getting bigger and there's not enough space. <laughs> yeah, but so. still, the, you're supervising them. That's great. Yeah, yeah, of course. Southland is known for its vehicular accidents. Ah, uh, Yes. Yes, it is. When you were a teenager, did you do any of that honing? No, um, no. I was a goody good. I was. I was. Yeah, so I wasn't rural then, but we were at Invercargill, and yeah, I watched everyone else and all that. But mm. no, it was very Christian, sensible. Yeah, good for very you. Sensitive. Yeah. Until, yeah. Until at some point. <laughs> well, self-preservation. Okay, <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you live to tell the tale to your mukul. Indeed. Yeah, there you are. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, wait. Hey, Tai Hoi Hoa. You're way too young for that just yet. And the boys are still aren't even big enough to no. do the milking with you. And yet. it's always an if, but yeah. I think I'm idolising it. I think it'll be a lovely situation. So you got heading home from writing and intense postgraduate study mm-hmm. and going straight into a working farm scenario. Do you ever get a chance to have a break? Not particularly. I find saying no is your best friend. You've already figured out how to do that? Say no? Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Do your best. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah, there's always a lot to do. Always. I think everyone could contest to that. And you've just got to keep yourself safe and try your best to say no when you have to and not feel Mm, guilty about that. That's wonderful advice. Yeah, wonderful advice. I really appreciate where we live and having that connection to land and space mm. and quiet and the scenery and connecting to whenua and just having a veggie patch, a simple act of having a veggie patch, I think is amazing. So you're an advocate of getting your hands in the soil? Yep, definitely. What's your favourite veggie? 
I love parsnips, but they take so long to grow. <laughs> oh, but it's worth it, isn't it? It's worth it, yeah. yeah. Got to wait for at least how many frosts? Quite a few. My yams are still in the ground. They've been oh, there yeah, for yeah. ages. No, it's way too warm for yams. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pull them out. You'll no. ruin them. No. And then I think I'm on to my fourth like cycle of the garden by now, and then I got really intense into having to finish my dissertation, so I let it slide a bit and pests got in there. And Oh, really? Yeah, so I kind of let that last batch, oh well, that's not particularly, the bok choy was confetti. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> when you say pests, do you mean rabbits? Oh, there are some around, um, but no, I mean like bugs. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. yes. But anyway, I've um, just let my chickens out now and they've, after day four or five, found the patch, so they're quite happy. And, and you will reap the rewards Later. in a day or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, is it true that if you feed your chooks well, they lay more? Yes, definitely. And I think it's about not just feeding grain. Hmm. Yeah. A variety. Yeah. Uh. And free range is um, ideal. But you'll find that despite the vast space that they have, <laughs> they will come in your front door. Are they poop. creatures of habit? I don't know. Or they just know that annoys oh, actually, you. Actually, they must be. One, uh, we don't have many. We've only got like five. One's called Houdini because despite everything else, it just always seemed to fly out the coop. So she's Houdini. And since I let them out and just opened the door that they're not used to having open, the mm. rest are like happy coming and going. One, I think, is staying there. Like, Oh, she's worried. Real panic. Like this this door should not be open. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I know. They do have weird characters. Of course. Yeah. Well, but, they're um, sentient beings, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. The um, in-home childcare lady my youngest goes to is amazing and she's got a halfway zoo going on and she's got ducks and... I love driving up a drive and dropping off my children. Like, mm. yeah, she's got a really awesome you can space. Tell by the health of the animals that they're yeah. in a healthy space. In that, yes, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Speaking of um, v- variety of feed, given that you've been focused on your dissertation and submitting your final presentation this week, mm. go you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and being a mum and helping um, run a working farm with your other half. Do you ever get a chance for any variety in your life? Something that's not art, not being a parent, not farming? Yes, so living in a small community, it takes, you know, there's less people, still lots of jobs to keep it going. So Mm. everyone's doing lots and lots of jobs. I admire so many of the women around me who I don't know how they do it. Mm. And I don't think I will be able to be one of them in that way. But, um, yes, I'm a volunteer firefighter in the local station and it is really awesome getting outside yourself and just making someone's bad day a bit better and mm. doing all the learning and you do a lot of socialising and the courses, you go away for courses to train. I was going to ask, how do you <clears throat> become a volunteer firefighter? Well, you find a local station and you pop on down, give them a ring, go that, and visit. Is that easy? Yeah. Um, not Sorry, that's the initial step. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's good to start somewhere, though. It's good to start somewhere, yeah. Um, and then if they, for us, we're quite small and would definitely need more people. Mm. Um, other ones might be full and might not need more people. There's lots of jobs to do, not just being the main firefighter. There is, yeah, people often need even babysitters. Like, I couldn't do, I couldn't be a volunteer firefighter if it wasn't for the local right. woman 
who live close to the station who uh, will take my children and at the drop of a hat yeah. literally mm. you've got to you get the call and between getting yeah. from hearing the siren getting the phone call yeah. Getting to the station to kit up, you've got to drop your kids on the way. Yes, so I live quite close to the station, but I don't always make the track if I have kids with me. But you often find it's at night time and husband's at home to watch, so it's not right. so bad. Right, like, right, got to go now. Yeah. I've got to go and put a fire out, yeah, literally. I, I usually hear and go, what? Oh, oh, right. <laughs> so when you don't catch the track from the station, do you meet the crew there? Yes. Yep, that happens a lot in rural stations. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we're still urban, class is urban, but... In small settings, that happens quite a bit. We we all live quite far from the station. In a township, I think they prefer you to be close. Mm. So many Ks, I'm not entirely sure. Mm. Sorry, not being good advocate here, but wow, yes. every community's got its different needs yes. and its different population. Um, and yeah, if you go to the station, you meet their first initial requirements. There's a medical to pass at the doctors. They all pay for and everything. Um, and then there is application form and a you get signed on to a program to be a recruit. Right. And there's a, some um, paperwork that just like can be essentially like a firefighting Bible and yep. all the details about everything. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to panic. You have to know it all off by heart straight away. <laughs> you have lots of time to train with mm, your well, station. Do- doing is a great way to reinforce the learning, yes, isn't it? it is. And then you go away to a course um, in Christchurch or Rotorua. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do it's amazing. I would do that over again if I could. The, um, I, have, I have a personal connection to the Rotorua Fire Service. My oh, right. my dad's eldest brother was um, long serving. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's an urban oh, yes. force, but most of the callouts were uh, yeah, rural. Yeah, yeah, and um, he was the truck driver, so he was. Oh, right. uh, but I can imagine. Um, I can imagine the truck hoofing it through the bush, you know, needing to get to a fire. It's probably a <laughs> burning an car. Urban, having an urban truck, you can't actually reach half the things sometimes. So mm. it's always a yeah. Um, fire brigade is a working. You work together a lot with yep. other brigades, with yeah. other agencies, you know, police, ambulance, everything. Certainly, yep. yeah. He yeah. did. He did advise me once that if I ever needed an ambulance to call the fire brigade. Well, often they're faster. Yeah. But um, often we're, yeah, well, obviously not an ambulance. We're not nurses. It's not the same thing. No, the same kit isn't there. But, but, but you do have training. We do have training. kit and we do have some training. Indeed, mm. in different stations, you might find a station who has a volunteer who is a nurse. Or you might find... That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So same but different. Bringing your skills. So yeah. You're, you're That's what makes our volunteer firefighting awesome, that everyone brings their other skills. Mm. And honestly, wouldn't be the same without it. Um, I was really shocked to find out when I joined that the majority of volunteers is only like a few thousand out of the tens of thousands of firefighters who are career. Yeah, it's a very small yeah. number, isn't it? Very small. Uh, I thought maybe that's because that's all our country can afford. Maybe. Mm. They do pay for all your training and everything when you go for these courses and Kai and everything. It's pretty cool. Great. But um, yeah, it's. I think growing up you think, oh yeah, firefighters, big professional and or mm. whatever and... Well, I'm old yeah. enough to remember when there were no women on the force and they were just, ah. just changing it over. Yes, um, my brigade has had not too many women and now we're almost half. Awesome, that's progress. Yeah. And speaking of progress, I can't believe what the time is. Oh. <laughs> it's, gotten, it's gotten to nearly the end of the show. Caitlin, before we sign off, 
What's happening on Friday? Oh, what's happening on Friday? Isn't it? Isn't it your show? It is. Tell so, us about it. Oh well, thank you. Um, well, I have my exam in the morning, so by the afternoon when the closing event is at four thirty at Dunedin School of Art Gallery on Riago Riago Street, yep, off Anzac Ave, I will be happy and relaxed to <laughs> meet and greet everyone. Excellent. <laughs> So yes. uh, Riago um, Street is where the old primary school at the oh. end of Albany Street is, just across the road from the old Unipole, oh. which is at the back of the new Hocken. So yeah, if you're in, if you're near the stadium, you're almost there. Yes. If you find the uh, the veterinary nurses school, you're almost there. Right Just walk a yeah. little bit further along towards Orfield. There's a big yellow yeah, it's wall. A giant ugly yellow wall that was painted brick by brick. As was part it of the performance from the ah year. well then I, I needed to know that because even yeah. though I don't like the color I do love that they did that brick by brick. That's awesome. They were um, in my year, I believe, in undergrad sculpture students who. Did a lot of performances throughout the time there. They were awesome. That's cool. Oh, we're going to come and see you. Cool. Everybody's welcome to come along. Money on Fano, it's been heaps of fun hanging out with you, Caitlin, and Thank it's you. been heaps of fun hanging out with everybody else. And that's that. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.